The AVMA recently pledged to defend against expanding the scope of veterinary practice. What does this mean in real life terms and how you can take action? This week on The Veterinary Viewfinder. Welcome back to the Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine. And a continuing sore spot in the profession is utilization of registered, licensed, credentialed veterinary technicians. And at the latest July AVMA meeting, they pledged to defend against expanding the scope of practice. This week, we want to talk about what that means and why it's important. But before we talk about how important all this stuff is, as always, I am one of your co-hosts, Dr. Ernie Ward. And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser. And Becky, we both were at the AVMA conference this year, and we knew that they were going to be talking about expanding the scope of practice, particularly with that mid-level practitioner. But for me, at least, it sort of went a little further than that. Maybe you could bring the viewfinders up to speed on what happened at the AVMA in July. Well, it didn't happen at AVMA. It was a letter that was put out on July the 15th um, that was prior to the conference, as a matter of fact, and it was truly, it was, it was their own words, pledges, the, the word pledges, that's, that's the quote, um, to defend against the expansion of scope of practice and utilization, um, and specifically to veterinary technician specialists. Now, this is on the back end of AVMA um, working against House Bill 1182 out of Arkansas, which was also um, a a conversation we had with Meg Harrington. Got a lot of great information about that House bill. I think there was a lot of confusion against it, but this is on the back end of AVMA actively working against that House bill. Right. And and in fact, even uh, this letter was then brought forward to the floor, the House of Delegates, and there was a lot of discussion, including Dr. Jody Long, who's the Texas Veterinary Medical Association president. Uh, She said in a quote, from Texas's perspective, we understand and appreciate what our veterinary support staff does. We also understand that those individuals have not always been utilized to the fullest extent that they could be under our practice act. I'm with you so far, Jody. And we absolutely... Absolutely, and that's her repetition there, Becky, believe that the veterinarian-client-patient relationship, the VCPR, should remain in the hands of the veterinarian. Now, Becky, that's really the root problem here, right? This is where the controversy stems from. Where does the VCPR, where can it originate? Can it go beyond the veterinarian? Can a, for example, a licensed credentialed veterinary technician establish a VCPR, right? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, a lot of it is not just about the VCPR. There was a major concern with the House bill out of Arkansas was the trigger law for prescribing. Right. And basically what is happening is the comments, the goals of these bills. Unfortunately, bills are so are so long to read. And I think the AVMA gets really overwhelmed. And I don't think they're able to actually fully dive into these bills, fully understand, um, because I know there was a a lot of misinformation in terms of what the goal of the bill was. Now, we talked about California. 
right. who has recently proposed a, a expanded VCPR for vaccines and preventatives. Right. Um, so there, there is expansion happening. And obviously, it, it, the AVMA is watching this, but I think pledging to work against it, even if those were poor choice of words, it is really fired up the technician community. Right. In, in their own words, viewfinders, against the, the AVMA pledges against the scope of practice incursions. Really strong language there, yeah, Becky. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I think that that's the thing that really got folks going. Now, the first letter we saw go out was from the Academy of Internal Medicine for Veterinary Technicians, beautifully written and signed by Jenny Casberry Fisher, who is the president of AIMVT. And it, it just beautifully explains... Um, the concerns, the outline of the, you know, what I have fully for years <laughs> referred to as a monopolization of veterinary medicine and the inability, like it's cutting their, their nose off to spite their face at this point. Right. Um, in terms of the wording that they're using, uh, pretty insensitive. I do think that they have backtracked a little bit and they're, they are sending out some letters to try to better explain their intent. But these words hit hard in the community. And, right. and I think not just with veterinary technicians, there are a lot of veterinarians who have been very, I want to give this credit because there are a lot of veterinarians out there who have said, this is stupid. Why are they working against the scope of practice? We need you guys, you know, who really truly get it. Yeah. And again, you know, this follows on the heels of last year, Becky, when we famously had or infamously had a veterinarian at one of these meetings get up and talk about you guys being the camel that sneaks into the tent you know, and takes over the profession. So, I mean, it's kind of like a double whammy, if you ask me. I am gently pushing back there because it wasn't a camel that sneaks into a tent. It's a camel <laughs> not being allowed into a tent and forced to stay outside in the elements. We are in no way trying to sneak in to anything, fully <laughs> trying to take our space among professionals. Um, really cool to see um, the Arizona Vet Tech Association at Vet Girl Conference. Their tablecloth uh, is reciting very wide words, if I do say so myself. Vet Tech, a profession, not a position. Yeah. And so it, it isn't even trying to sneak in anywhere. And that's the problem. And that's the mentality that is incredibly frustrating is that we are sneaking to take something we don't deserve. Right. An incursion. <laughs> I mean, that's their language. Now, mm -hmm. NAFTA responded. And again, since in all transparency, I mean, you are the incoming president, president-elect of NAFTA. Maybe talk to us about NAFTA's response, because I, I think it was, was very articulate and, and measured. So first of all, when it comes to the letter, let me give credit where credit is due. That's Mandy Zacco. I hope I'm saying it right. And Sam Gelling. Also hope I'm saying it right. I've heard both of their names pronounced differently on their last names. They are um, the chair of our government relationships committee with NAFTA. And so we asked them to draft this letter. And then the executive board did some, um, you know, proofreading, adjusting. And then it, the letter went out on behalf of the board, um, obviously from Jamie on behalf of the board. So basically... The goal of this letter really was to focus on the positive. I really like how they approached it. Um, I think that it is important for NAFTA and AVMA to continue um, a relationship and to continue conversations and to move through difficult times like these with the ability to continue to communicate, right? And so being adversarial, maybe the approach I would have taken is not what they took, and it's probably a good thing. So the response that NAFTA put out... Um, was fully 
to focus on the parts of the letter that we agree with, the parts of the letter that are um, appropriate, I think, and are are written well, um, and to kind of bring focus to what AVMA is saying right, and that um, in this continued relationship with AVMA, NAFTA is asking for continued collaboration. They outlined seven items that are um, calling to action for AVMA. And it, it continues with number one, continuing the conversation about with NAFTA about allowing veterinary technicians to become voting members of AVMA. Uh, something I've pushed for or, or a name change for about as long as this podcast has been around. Um Again, if you're going to be the veterinary profession representative, then you have to include everybody. They're also asking for um, AVMA to actively support the Government Relations Committee to fill in the gaps in legislative protection, require State Practice Act modification to include credentialed staff title recognition and protection, along with skill delineation. Um, we know that there are still, I think, six states that don't even recognize veterinary technicians as a job title. We know that there is very little title protection across the states and, and very little enforcement for those that do have them. Uh, and that falls fully on our veterinarians in our state. I think of states like North Carolina, where all of our um, inspectors are DVMs, and everyone but one on the board is a veterinary is a veterinarian. We only have one veterinary technician on the board in North Carolina. I think there are probably states that don't have any. So I think that's an area that the AVMA can really help each state. Um, they are asking to activate the committee advancing veterinary technician and technologists. This was, this committee was formed earlier this year. There was a lot of controversy, a lot of talk about it, a lot of, um, activity around it. They have yet to meet. Very much, I think that veterinary technicians feel like the lack of action on this committee is more lip service in just right. creating this committee and then not being active with it. Yeah, and, and, and viewfinders, go back and listen to that podcast where, where Becky actually specifically addressed that last year because that was, Becky, you called it back then. You said, hey, I'm afraid this could just be lip service. And and sadly, that meeting has not happened yet. So it really does. Yeah, I, unfortunately, I, I, I think a lot of people were concerned that that was going to be the outcome of the Committee on Advancing Veterinary Technicians and Technologists. It's not to say that it isn't coming, but... Uh, <sighs> You you kind of said it, and yeah. we knew it a long time ago. They're also recommending a few more things. Um, continuing education for all DVMs on the CVTEA skills list for veterinary technicians. We, I think it's a, a surprise to a lot of veterinarians that technicians learn over 300 essential skills that they have to be signed off as proficient prior to graduating from veterinary technician programs. And I don't think our veterinarians are aware of what those skills are, what we learn, and how we can be utilized. There, um, the, the task, they, the NAFTA GRC committee is also tasking the AVMA CVTEA with outlining specific standards for veterinary technologists. So we know we have the lowercase g, LVTG, RVTG. Those are folks who have earned a bachelor's degree in veterinary technology. That is not yet recognized skill outlined or delineated by the CVTEA. And so we're asking the CVTEA, which is part of the AVMA, to outline standards for bachelor's degree veterinary technology. And I think if we're going to continue to see these mid-level roles coming, that will be asked for as well. 
Um, we're asking AVMA members to complete NAFTA's survey on legislative support for veterinary technicians. We really think that AVMA, with their political action committee, with the money that they have, with the ex- huge number of veterinarians they have, thanks to the PLIT, they could be helping to educate and involve more veterinarians in the legislative support. And then last, cease using the term paraprofessional, which I am guilty of when I talk outside of credential technicians, but to cease using the term paraprofessional and technician when referring to veterinary technicians and only use the title veterinary technician um, and then designation veterinary nurse as appropriate where it's legal outside of the United States. Those are the seven items that veterinary technicians on the GRC came back with from NAFTA in response to this letter. Yeah, and again, we'll have links to all of this, and I encourage you viewfinders to go and check them out. And as expected, uh, our dear friend and colleague, uh, Stephen Satal, uh, wound up making his own response, and I'll have a, include a link to that, and it was titled, AVMA, The Ultimate Gatekeepers and Their Disdain for Veterinary Technician Advancement. <laughs> it was strongly worded. Uh, you know, he, I mean, Stephen pulls no punches here. And, uh, and I think, again, I'm going to have links to that. It's really important to to do that because um, I, I think he really paints, uh, you know, that, that sometimes I think the AVMA may, may be doing a little bit of a straw man with this mid-level professional, right? Because we're really talking about this thing that doesn't even exist, Becky. And meanwhile, we're kind of ignoring what needs to be done right now with licensed credentialed veterinary technicians. You know what I'm saying? I mean, but I, I think that the more focus we put on this imaginary mid-level professional, you know, and make that to be the enemy, then of course, we're, we're really sort of ignoring you. A hundred percent. And and Stephen, as always, does a wonderful job. I also do want to say Janet Donnellan, CEO of the AVMA, did reach out to Stephen directly. They had a great conversation from my understanding. They are asking questions. They, I want to say they're trying to do better, like in between these moments of doing really bad. They're right. like, oh, wait, what did we do? Um, And it is unlearning some really bad behaviors, in my opinion. I do want to say they're our efforts, I know they're trying to do better. It doesn't mean that they are, and it doesn't mean that moments like this and letters like this don't set us back several years. It doesn't mean that they don't have an incredible emotional impact and an invalidating effect on veterinary professionals. Um, because I want to say it's not just technicians. I want to say there are credentialed assistants out there, approved assistant programs. There are professional assistants. There are professional CSRs. There are professional kennel techs. We have folks across our industry that maybe don't hold a credential, but are professionals in their role. And I think when they see veterinary technicians taking these kinds of hits, I would have to say it probably makes them feel fairly helpless for their positions, fairly helpless to be empowered in their roles. When those in the clinic who have credentials, who have gone to school, who have passed national exams, who have to maintain CE to maintain their credential, are put down in this way. So I think this has a crippling ripple effect across all of the profession. um, And it just sort of leaves DVMs to maybe be on an island that's like okay, well, I'm the DVM. And and what we know, AHA, and, and we'll have to have Garth on, on the show, AHA just did some great studies and they're finding that utilization of a team, a team environment, is the, one of the number one asks from veterinarians, one of the number one satisfying aspects of their job for veterinarians as well as technicians above pay. Now, right. when we stop seeing team utilization, when we stop seeing this mutual respect, then the demand for pay goes up because I think people finally say, well, if I'm, if I, I at least have to get paid to deal with this bull crap. 
And so um, team utilization is becoming the number one desired aspect of a job, of an employer, of a workplace. So when the leading organizations create more split, more divide within our profession, I feel like they're really counterproductive to the needs of the industry. Yeah. And and again, you know, viewfinders, I think that anyone who's been in practice, like Becky and I have, and I've owned clinics and done a lot of of stuff in different aspects of the profession over 30 years, you know, Becky, it is a team effort, right? Patient care, running a veterinary practice is involves a lot of people. And so I think that that number one, viewfinders, when you're hearing this argument going on out there, please immediately separate any discussion about a mid-level practitioner from actually utilization of red, red registered, licensed, credentialed veterinary technicians. That is really important because right now it's getting muddied. Even the incoming president, Dr. Renee Carlson from AVMA, um, you know, she started making this argument about, oh, look at all the problems that human medicine has had with nurse practitioners. I don't know about you, Becky, but I see a lot of nurse practitioners. I've been very happy. But again, they they satisfy a need. That's not the argument that we're having here today. We're having an argument about how do we utilize the people that are already existing? How do we recognize them? How How do we make it better? Right, Becky? I mean, because ultimately this is about patient care and about delivering service to the public. And right now we're, we're really failing on all aspects. I mean, to me, this conversation is about our leading organization causing a greater divide in the industry. I yeah, mean, yeah, the utilization, the, the conversation, it is out there. It is a need. It is something you and I are working toward. But today what we're talking about is a very public document that went out saying that we will fight utilization expansion. Whether they meant it that way or not, that that's what came out. And so I believe if a practitioner and an associate and any other veterinarians working in a clinic are reading that title, what that says to them is, I also have to fight this in my clinic. Yeah. And, and one thing too, as a veterinarian, Becky, I mean, like, you know, and I did participate, the AVMA had a questionnaire a while back about mid-level practitioners. And, and you know, I basically wrote a long treatise about saying, hey, we really need to do things to shore things up and and create better definitions and security around the existing, you know, veterinary technician titles around the country. You guys, that we've talked about this ad nauseum. But here's the thing. They took these reports at a state level and at an AVMA national level, and they made it about mid-level practitioners. So they ask vets like me, Becky, and then they somehow twisted that argument to make it apply to all vet techs. And that's really where I think if you go back and read some of the statements that were made in July, Becky, that's where I I got a little upset because I was like, wait, wait, you're asking me one thing. I'm giving you my opinion and, and my advice on this. And now you're twisting it and applying it in a different context. And that's not fair either. So viewfinders, I think you need to be really clear. I mean, I, I know I've said this multiple times, but this argument about the mid-level practitioner is really not helpful to helping veterinary technicians today. Becky, I mean, I, I've got to just keep repeating that because I think it's getting all muddled. Yeah, it's getting muddled. But w- the outside, the outline of this letter, the concerns with this letter, as well as the House bill in Arkansas is directly against veterinary technician specialists. And so right. we, right. this is the problem. Like, like you're saying, they're kind of talking about this expansion. Veterinary technician specialists are saying we are qualified. We are that mid-level practitioner right now. We have had those advanced skills. We have had advanced training. We have, um, had advanced testing and they're looking for laws to support the utilization of what is that higher level veterinary technician role. Now, unfortunately, the mid-level practitioner timing, I think, is muddying 
this up kind of in the way you just demonstrated. VTSs are being like, no, 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 they're fighting against us, not mid-level laws. I think that's what they're trying to be proactive about. I think it's what they're trying to consider. But AVMA is very actively involved in creating mid-level practitioner rules as well. Like they're, they're, I don't think that they're against that in any way. They're seeing that as expanded in education while ignoring what already exists in that expanded education skills and experience, which is our VTSs. That's who most of these laws are, you know, working to, not all of them, but working to recognize and working to create a space for because they already exist. The, The scary part to me is when we are working against the expansion of education, skills, and utilization in any way in our field right now at a time that everyone is saying there aren't enough anybody's um, when clients are having a hard time getting care. You know, veterinary te- technicians, a lot of these laws are looking to create a scope of practice that is similar from state to state. You know, uh, things like single-rooted extractions, which it feels like AVMA is sort of fighting against. And I don't want to specifically quote that they are because I'm not saying that they are specifically fighting that, but it is an example that's being used. But there are several states where single-rooted extractions are legal for veterinary technicians. They're looking toward creating opportunities for unowned animals and external body repairs, right? So looking at things like, can we, like in Virginia, you can do a cat neuter if you're a veterinary technician. Um, Our our shelters, our spay neuter clinics would be hugely benefited by our ability to perform and to access our skills and knowledge in this way. What happens is we are, I guess my concern here is we, when veterinarians argue that an on-the-job trained technician or assistant can be called a veterinary technician because they have learned the skills and then fight against veterinary technicians learning and using skills outside of book knowledge, they're becoming, they're arguing their point on both sides to their benefit. And I think this is the thing we're getting really frustrated about is it just seems like every way you look, it is a matter of protecting their role as a veterinary tech veterinarian, reducing the utilization and role of veterinary technicians while screaming that there aren't enough of us to create the laws that we need. Right. And again, you know, uh, in full transparency and honesty, like I don't ever advocate for anything that would threaten patient health and care. Right. So, I mean, this really, again, when they start throwing terms like that out, Becky, you know, it's, it's also a shield and it's, uh, it's smoke and mirrors, right. It's kind of like, Oh, they're doing stuff that's really dangerous. It's like, I mean, we're going to have to figure out how to expand access to care. Like that is a a big issue that people are facing all over the country. In fact, now what we're doing is we're running them into non-veterinary professional care, right? So now they're getting all kind of dentistry done at a groomer, for example, right? So, you know, if we're going to address those bigger problems of access to care and having adequate supply of of veterinary professionals, we're going to have to be a little more open-minded and creative, you know? And again, Becky, when we look across the pond to our colleagues, leagues in the UK and Australia and elsewhere, you know, you you just, I mean, they still can't understand like, wait, wait, you mean you guys don't have like a national certification? (laughs) Like you don't have like a universal title? Like you don't know exactly what you can do across the United States? I mean, that's still really frustrating. And again, Becky, that's where our efforts should be put. I, I think it's 
I mean, we're wasting a lot of energy and effort. Uh, the camel in the tent thing keeps popping into my mind. You know, it's like, oh gosh, guys, the way we're going to grow our profession, in my opinion, is to expand who's involved in the profession and then credential and train and supervise and manage those people, right? Becky, I mean, the same way I do as a veterinarian, I have to do continuing education. You know, I've got medical boards overseeing me if I do something wrong. I mean, Becky, that's the way forward. Oh, absolutely. And it, it, it's what's already happening. Just no one's really recognizing it. I mean, veterinary technicians are required in most states to get that CE. Now, the other thing is too, is that those are, are things that the veterinary nurse initiative are working on. So what we, right, we only right. really hear of the VNI trying to do a title change and trying to change the title to nurse, but what they, don't talk about as much, and I wish they did, and what we don't hear about as much and we need to is that gold standard, that um, Model Practice Act, and trying to create a practice act, a universal skill set that is used from state to state so that there is more transportability of our profession. Um, and then also the knowledge increase so that we are well utilized. Because again, utilization weighs in overpay in a satisfied job environment. Now, when people are not satisfied with their work environment and and you say, what would it take to make you stay? They start to lean toward more pay because I don't think they see the culture change coming. But in clinics where people are utilized and there is a good team environment, that is what they love about their job. Yeah. And, and again, the ambiguity is also a leading, I believe, a leading cause of of turnover and loss of veterinary technicians. Because I mean, imagine Becky, depending on where you work, that determines what you get to do. And you're going, I went to school, I'm credentialed, I'm licensed to do these things. And maybe your boss allows you, maybe they don't. And again, that kind of, that leads to frustration. And and honestly, Becky, from when people say, what's the biggest problem with turnover in, in vet med? And we're talking about now about your, you know, about veterinary technicians, I'm going to say, well, pay and benefits, right? And then workplace environment and workplace environment means your responsibilities, how we, I mean, what kind of, uh, of how do we recognize you and your abilities? Yeah. And you know, it's funny. I was I just came back from the AVTE, the Association of Veterinary Technician Educators Conference, which was outstanding, by the way, shout out to AVTE for doing an amazing job. Um, educators are not required to have education, education. <laughs> so it kind of makes me laugh because I think about this argument, right, outside of school. But if you track back to veterinary colleges, as well as veterinary technician programs, the instructors are veterinarians and veterinary technicians. They're not professional educators. Right. And so it just kind of makes me laugh when I think about this, um, the way that we emphasize and the way that we gatekeep and the way that we freak out about our roles and the education and how important it is. And then there's like no standards around actually creating that education for people. Yeah. Um, you're not required to be educated in education to teach these people to do this. However, they come out all of a sudden covening education and how important it must be and how without this DVM education, you simply can't do anything and you're a, you know, a, as as AVMA refers to, and I occasionally do as well, unfortunately, paraprofessional or a different role. And so I just feel like we pick and choose where our, I guess my point is we pick and choose our regulation. We pick and choose our points of contention without actually 
understanding the greater argument, I feel like, without actually understanding the higher level importance. Outside of the Navali, you know, veterinarians and veterinary technicians are not required to prove skills to graduate or to become licensed. Well, to graduate, yes, obviously it's for, through school, but in terms of getting your degree, um, it's a written test. You, you come out of school showing that you have book knowledge. And yet that book knowledge is completely thrown out the window when it comes to recognizing and upholding credential veterinary technicians. And AVMA is guilty of this as much as as several other organizations. Yeah, well said. Well, viewfinders, again, we don't have all the answers today, but uh, the purpose of this was to raise awareness. Uh, many of you have heard about this and know what's happening. Others, this might be news to. Uh, regardless, whether you're a veterinarian or a veterinary technician, I encourage you to go and check out the links that are in the show notes because, I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, we're giving all sides to this issue and you should really be aware of what's happening because this is directly impacting your ability to practice medicine. Whether you're a vet, a vet tech, a receptionist, a manager, doesn't matter. Like this is impacting the whole the whole practice sphere. And so I want you to be aware. I want you to take action. I think that a lot of veterinary veterinary practitioners are just like me and they're like, okay, hey, you know, yeah, there's some areas that where I think, yeah, we don't need to expand the, the profession and I don't want to expand the scope of practice. But then there's a lot that probably would benefit and makes a lot of sense to me. So I think it's really important for us to stay active on this because I, I feel like a lot of times, Becky, a handful of people are making decisions that impact all of us and we really have very limited say so again becky any last words for the veterinary technicians how they can get involved and maybe have have their voices heard Uh, yes it's so important to be involved if you are not currently a member of your state organization or a member of your national organization and ideally both please remember that there is strength in numbers it is the way you get this information it is a way that you get your voice heard and if even if you don't feel like you individually count, people are looking at those numbers and saying, how many people are supporting what you are saying? And so if we don't have our veterinary technicians on board as members for us to count those numbers and to count those voices, it is very hard to be taken serious on the higher level. The other thing is, is if you are a veterinarian and you feel frustrated by this language, if you feel frustrated by the way, the approach to this legislative action or to the increase of utilization or to the role of credentialed professionals in your practice, please be in touch with the AVMA. It is is truly your voices and your allyship that we need right now. That's right. You can send them a copy of this podcast. That might help out too. <laughs> Guys, we uh, really want to hear from you what you think about this issue. Please share it with us on our Facebook and Instagram pages at Veterinary Viewfinder. And definitely drop us an email with your thoughts and opinions at veterinaryviewfinder at gmail.com. That's veterinaryviewfinder at gmail.com. Until next week, guys, stay safe. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.